The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome to the second hour. I'm Ajay Salves on October 15th. It's a Tuesday evening. Grateful to have you ever and however you are joining us here on 106.9 The Fan. You can also stream us on 106.9thefan.com. You can also find us on all podcast platforms, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Type in the Full Court Press. Eric, say my name, and you should find us and our show and listen to its in show in its entirety. The second hour, we'll be welcoming on uh, Coach Craig Smith. He'll be joining us from Las Vegas as his team, uh, or excuse me, as a couple of his players, Diogo Brito, Sam Merrill, and Abel Porter, are in Vegas right now, um, experience Mountain West uh, Media Days. They'll be flying home as soon as they're done with those festivities and uh, coming back uh, tonight. In fact, they have a, what they call the secret scrimmage, right? Um, Let me actually really quickly, uh, live here on the air, I'm going to find this. But they have these secret scrimmages where people aren't supposed to find out about them, and then they they do anyways, and uh, I saw it tweeted out about who they were going to play. I think it's Northern Colorado on the 19th, I believe. I'm pretty sure. I still want to make sure I make a lie out of myself here. Um, oh, I can't find it. Where the world did it go? Anyways, yeah, they have these uh, little secret scrimmages, and uh, and Utah State's got one, and I think Northern, or yeah, the I think it's Northern Colorado, and I think they're coming here. Um, I can't find where it's at. So, yeah, never mind. I, I'll have to look at it, but I believe it's October 19th. And, again, it's closed to the media. It's closed to the public. No one's allowed to attend, just for players, coaches, and staff only. And they go through a scrimmage. In fact, a bunch of other teams are going to be doing it, too, um, from what I had saw. So uh, that's so they'll participate in that scrimmage. Um and, again, no media will be allowed to attend. I don't think a media is even allowed to be there after. So uh, they'll, they'll go through that scrimmage, and then they'll uh, get ready for the season on October 30th. Can't believe we're almost already there. 15 days away from Utah State getting ready uh, in their exhibition opener. Again, that'll be 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, October 30th, so Halloween Eve. And you'll get a chance to be able to hear from... Um, not hear from. Yeah, you'll be able to hear from the players and coaches after the game. I believe they are doing a pre and post game for that. Uh, for that night, we'll get you a final answer whether that will be the case or not. So, uh, pretty cool stuff. Can't believe basketball's already getting here again. Utah State was picked as unanimously the number one Mountain West Conference, uh, I guess, ranked basketball team, if you will, or to finish. Number one in the Mount West Conference again. It's unanimous. Which why is that significant? Because it's never been done for none done before. Uh, no team had uh, ever finished, or excuse me, no team has ever been picked to finish with all every single first place vote. That's right. All seventeen votes went towards uh, went towards Utah State, and that's that's saying something about this team and the expectations that are upon them. Again, Sam Merrill was picked as a preseason. Conference Player of the Year. So, good stuff for the Aggies. Can they live up to the expectations? Again, we'll talk to Craig Smith coming up here later in the hour, and you'll be able to hear from them and uh, get their thoughts on uh, on what this team should look like. So, all right. Uh, really quickly, want to get into some NFL talk. I forgot to uh, bring up the story. 
And I feel bad that I forgot to bring up the story because of how, what a shame it is uh, that it even has to be talked about. Um, the refereeing, do you remember back in, I think it was 2011, the replacement referees, and just how lost they looked? I mean, I remember one game in particular where the ref signaled the wrong way and then pointed that that team had the ball and that was a first down. So everyone was confused. He came back. And he corrected himself, and then he called the wrong number. And so he had to go back and do it again. But then he pointed out the wrong team again. And so, I mean, there was just – and by then the crowd was booing, and it was atrocious. The coaches were upset. Uh, I feel like we're in that position again because of last night. Between the Lions and the Packers, in which – <laughs> in which uh, three calls, three different calls, went against the Lions and shouldn't have never been called in the first place. And it was so upsetting uh, to the Lions because, well, of this reason. The Packers have never led in this game. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason to the south end zone for a Lambo leap. And he puts a dagger in the Lions. The Packers have won it. 23-22. A unnecessary roughness call was made on the Lions uh, when he had honestly barely touched the... <laughs> Touched a Packers receiver. And then Trey Flowers was called for not one. Now, hear me out here. Trey Flowers, who was a former New England Patriot defensive lineman, had never been called for illegal hands to the face, ever. Not once in his time uh, as a Patriot. He got two calls on him last night versus the Packers. One of them was late in the game, which extended the Green Bay Packers drive and allowed him to move the ball closer to kick a field goal, which was really a PAT. Uh, from 23 out to give the Packers a 23-22 win over the Lions. Um, to say the Lions were disgusted is like, I mean, putting it mildly. Uh, in fact, uh, when asked about it, uh, Trey Flowers was livid. Uh, he, he, he said, I actually, and I quote here, I actually changed position of my hand because it was to the chest initially. I was doing it all game. I didn't know what that the uh, that was a flag to the chest, so I changed it, and then he called it again. I didn't think the hands to the chest was a penalty. If I thought hands to the face, but I had him right here in the chest. He's showing himself where he grabs his own chest, grabs his coat, and says, "I this is where I'm putting my hands." And he says, "The second time I changed it, that's part of a move that I do." So no, I don't think it was a penalty. Now, when uh, referee uh, Cleet Blakeman, he said each of the calls was made by umpire Jeff Rice, and he discussed the last one with him. He said, basically, it's a legal ha- uh, use of hands hands to the face foul. Now, to be a foul, we basically need some forceful contact that's prolonged to the head and neck area of the defender. So, in his mind, he had pinned him back. It was prolonged, and that's what created the foul. Uh, and on the other side, I mean, well, not on the other side, but the defensive back um, was asked about it, and he said just awful, absolutely awful call. 
And, uh, and he says, we, I mean, we do have to find a way to finish it, but it's still a really bad call. And then he just kept saying the word awful in his postgame quote, that he couldn't believe that it was such an awful call by the referees. And so here we are back again in this mess that, you know, we were the Packers and, and the Lions were playing a Sunday night or excuse me, a Monday night football game, but it's determined by the referees. Remember the last time? We had, or excuse me, the first time we had the replacement referee issue, it was a Monday night football game. And do you remember who it involved? Seattle and Green Bay. Remember it was that Hail Mary from Russell Wilton went to the end zone, and it looked like, uh, I believe it was Jenkins, who had it picked off, the cornerback. I mean, it looked like he had full possession. And underneath the pile... Seattle rips it out of the hands, and they give it to Seattle. Like, it was a horrific call. And here we are again, dealing with not replacement referees, but real officials. And we're having this issue again. And and the question is, is I don't know how we fix it. I don't know, I mean, because you know that the, the league will not come out and punish the officials. They won't. They won't come out and punish punishment. Here's the problem, though, is that the NFL admitted on the air of calling that hands to the face on Trey Flowers late in the game that extended the drive. In fact, NFL Executive Vice President uh, Troy Vincent told reporters at the league's fall meeting Tuesday that there should not have been a uh, should not have been an infraction call on the second or excuse me on the second of the two penalties on Trey Flowers. There was one earlier in the fourth that was a clear that we that they said they'd support the second one. Um, they said when you review the play, that's not something that you want to be called. After review it, the foul wasn't there. Now, uh, the first foul came on third and ten, was just over ten minutes to play in the game, nullified a, a sack that would have been a fourth that would have forced the Packers to punt. The five-yard penalty gave Green Bay an automatic first down. Three plays later, Aaron Rodgers found Alan Lazard for a thirty-five-yard touchdown pass. I cut the lead to twenty-two to twenty, so it's still a big call. And then on third and fourth from the line 16, with just a, uh, about minute 45 to play, Flowers was again flagged for the same penalty, illegal hands to the face. Uh, the Packers would have been forced to kick the go-ahead field goal with about a minute 36 to play because the pass was incomplete. And it would have given the Alliance enough time to make a run at it to kick a field goal uh, to see if they could get the win. Instead... Packers ran all the timeout to two seconds, um, called the timeout, then kicked the uh, quote-unquote PAT, which was a field goal, to win it. And uh, again, it was just, it's very bad. In fact, Coach Patricia here, he says, quote, whether it was two hands or one hand or kind of different leverage or angles that you can press into the offensive player, to whether it's open up his hips or to get him to turn a different way, whatever it might be. Sometimes you apply pressure, sometimes you let pressure go and see if their balance is in check. Just different things like that. But certainly for us, we'll make sure we're coaching it the right way and make sure everything is in proper placement. We'll go from there. Here's the thing, though. It's when they look at film, they're going to say, what, what else do you need to do? That's how frustrating it was for the Lions, and that's how frustrating it is for football fans. Um, I love Booger yesterday, by the way. Booger, uh, who was the color analyst last night for Monday Night Football, called out the referees, called out the officials for the call. And said, look, you're wrong. And again, 
the NFL looked at it and said, "Yeah, you're right. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have made the call." But it's it's just I mean it's controversial stuff, and it's and it's replayer and every player's mind back to I mean and then we saw the pass interference calls right so, um, twenty one of the last twenty two pass interference challenges have been denied. When I say denied, uh, they've been they weren't changed or challenged or I guess they weren't successful challenges is what I should say. 21 of the last 22 pass interference challenges were unsuccessful. And in fact, when you watch the Patriots-Giants game uh, from Thursday night, um, I believe it's Harmon that's all over a Giants receiver. Clear pass interference on the Patriots. Clear as day. They don't call it. So Shermer goes and, and, and challenges it thinking for sure he's going to get that 15 yards to come back and say no. I mean, we've, I mean, it's just been bad. It's been bad officiating all season long so far. And the worst part is we're not even halfway through the year yet. That's the worst part. We're not even halfway through the year. So things got to get figured out really quickly on the, on the official side or uh, there is going to be continual distraction on the referees, because of the referees' inability to make the right call. That's what's ruining the game of the. Uh, that's what's ruining the NFL game now. It's, it's the officials. And uh, if Roger Goodell continues to back up the officiating, despite the poor officiating that we're seeing, it's we're going to have a storm once again, and the. And the attention will be turned once again to the front NFL front office, which is where it shouldn't be. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. Eric will be back here. Join me in the studio. He'll give us an update on what practice looked like. Right now, the Astros cruising. They're up 4 nothing on the Yankees in the top of the eighth. And uh, If Garrett Cools, I mean, actually, I'm just looking here. Is Garrett Cole still on the mound? He is. Through seven innings, he's, again, four hits, no runs, five walks, seven strikeouts. He's thrown 112 pitches. And the Astros lead it four to nothing over the Yankees. We'll take a break, come back. Uh, we'll get you ready for Coach Smith. He'll be joining us at about 5.30. And uh, he'll give us his thoughts on... Uh, his team, and uh, again, the expectations that are on this team as they were picked unanimously number one to finish number one in the Mountain West Conference. First time it's ever happened in Mountain West Conference basketball history. And that's all, that's all coming up and more here on the Full Court Press. I'm Aji Salveson. I'm not Eric France, and Eric will be joining me here shortly. I'm Aji Salveson. You're listening to the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 
Alright, there's no commentary to that. Andre Salves here on the full court press. Astros add on a pair of runs. They now lead 4 nothing over the Yankees. Garrett Cole has been just a darling for the Astros today and on the mound. He's thrown over 100 pitches and he's still out there. I saw a tweet from somebody who said, Hey, look, I'd leave Garrett Cole out there the whole rest of the night if I'm AJ Hinge. I don't blame him. Save your bullpen. No need to use your bullpen if you don't have to. However long you can ride them, do it. Astros again lead 4-0 in the 8th inning over the Yankees at New York. So much for having home field advantage in this series, right? Uh, the highlights that I just played with no commentary on it, by the way. Uh, one of them was a uh, pass ball uh, that allowed a run to score. The other was a sack fly at, uh, that sent in the other run. And... Uh, Wow, just, I mean, an offensive barrage coming from the Astros, uh, putting their bats together. Look, when their bats are hot, it's it's a tough team to beat, an absolutely tough team to beat. Uh, again, tonight, Cardinals, Nationals, Cardinals are in a do-or-die situation. They trail three games to none to the Washington Nationals, who remember how to get in you know, by a wild card game just to get into the series. Right, and then they, and then I mean, just for the award of beating the Brewers, they had to play the Dodgers. Well, they beat the Dodgers, and then they had to play the Cardinals, who crushed the Braves in Game Five, thirteen to one. Well, they turn around and they're all beating the. It's just, I mean, it's all about momentum. I, it's all about playing at the right time, getting hot at the right time, and that's what the Nationals have done, which is so impressive. Again, so impressive, uh, what this. <laughs> What this Nationals team has done to the Cardinals and and the spot they put him in. I mean, now th- up three games to none. Uh, Dave Martinez and his and his crew they they realize, you know, they they've they've got something stirring here. And here's the uh, coach Martinez talking about the importance of playoff games. We've been playing playoff games since then. You know, we had to play really good to come back and, and do the things we've done. And now, uh, you know, they, at September they believed that they can they can do this. And uh, they're going out there, and they're not taking anything for granted. Um, and they're playing really hard, and they're playing to win one game every day. I mean, the big, the big message, and I say it all every day, is to go one and every day, and they believe that. They were 19-31 and 31 at one point, then came May 24th. Since then, they're the best team in the league, record-wise. Production-wise, I'd maybe even put them up there. Um, just incredible turnaround since May 24th. On the other side, Mike Schilt and his team, they've, they've got to get ready, and they've got to fix something right now. Uh, here's Mike Schilt, by the way, on pitch tipping. I don't know what this comment's about, but you uh, maybe tipping his pitches or they're, them tipping their pitches? Let's find out. There's a lot of gray in there. Um, and so my hope is that, you know, we're doing things with within the game that, um, you know, is, is – and again, everybody's got their own version of ethics, right? Um, but you know, there's a there's a line there, and people can decide what line they want to stay on. I, I feel really good about how we compete. Is where I should probably leave it. So uh, the Nationals had accused uh, the Cardinals of pitch tipping. Now, back in the day, uh, and, and by the way, this is not like a common or an uncommon thing to happen. Back in the day, um, well, it's still today. Um, you have, you know, base runners at second base. 
and they'll eye the catcher's signs, right? They'll try and catch up with the catcher's sign. Catcher will come out and talk to the pitcher and say, hey, uh, we're going to go with our third sign instead of our first sign or our second sign instead of our first sign or, you know, it'll be the second and fourth one of their indicator, just something to that effect. Um, and so they'll give at least four signs to, you know, give their pitch to the pitcher. And then, it, you know, the second baseman or whoever's on second will try to read that. Who also tries to read, at least back when I played, first baseman coach. They, I mean, if the catcher is showing his signs, you look at him and say, oh, okay. Um, I won't tell you how we would communicate those signs to the batter. I won't give that away. But, um, I mean, it, it's, it's not uncommon. It happens all the time. So, I don't know what the big gripe is. But here is uh, Coach Schill on this team needing to be and staying optimistic despite, the, uh, despite trailing big in the series. Optimism stems from this team's work, you know, and it's not, it's not eyewash. We got here for a reason. This has been a team that um, has always believed in itself, you know, and um, it's a team that will continue to do that. Um, it's more important to do it, obviously, when your back is against a wall. But, um, you know, we come out and we'll come out getting after it. They're going to need to get after it. They're going to need some, uh, I mean, they're going to need just better pitching. They're obviously going to need much more offense than what they're getting right now. Uh, Eric Franson joins me back here in studio after attending the USU football practice. We'll get to that in just a minute. Eric, with this Cardinals offense, how much of it is the pitching of uh, Sanchez, of Scherzer, and of Strasburg, and how much of it goes back to the Cardinals just not figuring it out? Can I talk now? Am I good? Shut up. Do I need to tip you over? Oh, you, you're silencing me. Um, I, I think it's not so much how what's, what St. Louis is doing bad per se. I, I think you have to give a, a lot of credit to the Nationals and that pitching staff and just how solid they are and how consistently good they've been um, in the playoffs. It's not like just all of a sudden. I mean, they were solid in the round before. You you go into the best team in Major League Baseball and you knock them off in their place. And then they just keep that rolling in the next round. So I I tend to give more credit to the Nationals than to lay blame on the Cardinals. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. By the way, I, I, there must be something coming around here because here is Astros manager A.J. Hinch on pitch or tipping their pitches. It shouldn't, it shouldn't overshadow the quality of play or the players or what's going on in the field. I think the, the paranoia is real, though, and it's real across 30 teams. Here's the thing is that, I mean, when you're on second base and you're leading, and this is what I was telling the listeners earlier, you're on second base and you're leading off, you're checking the catcher signs. Like you're trying to read what his signs are and, you know, which one's coming out. What's the big deal? Is that I mean, is it really cheating? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's like if you look at other sports, like in the NFL, having somebody stare on the, across the sideline. Okay, what is it? Re- read their lips. What are they trying to say? And what are the calls that they're sending in to their quarterbacks? Um, if you're on the same field and it's in everybody's view, uh, or at least in the, in some people's view. I think that's part of the game. That's why you come up with different signs. You try to mislead them. You come up with, what's the word, obfuscation. You try to to disguise what you're doing. Obfuscation? Yeah. Um, So, 
but I think you also have to look at is the pitcher in his delivery is he showing things? Yeah. Is he tipping his hand a little bit? Yeah, because when you, I mean, you when you watch the ball come out of your hand, I mean, you're you're saying, all right, well, that's got to be his curveball, just the way he's holding it. I mean, it's it's major league baseball. Players aren't dumb. And I, I was just, I don't see how you watching a catcher give his signs is cheating, or a manager watching a catcher gives. If you're dumb enough for a catcher to stick your signs out that far, yeah, you think everyone's gonna see it, man? Don't blame coach or the first base coach. Blame the catcher. For not being able to hide his signs better. It's unreal. Unreal. Uh, Eric, you just came back from football practice. Uh, I, I know you do, you can't talk on specific things, but what was the general feel of it? This is a team that's ready to play football. <laughs> um, they, now, If that makes sense. Yeah, uh, after I mean, a 42-6 to six loss to LSU. Right. They, the, they got their hands uh, slapped uh, at uh, in Baton Rouge. Um, it was not pleasant. They were happy to get home. Happy to take the bye week to rest, recover, taking the opportunity to re-examine film um, and to get themselves ready for the next seven games because there's no more breaks and it, they're all conference games. So, except for BYU. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and so it's it's a stretch run here where there's no breaks and they're all big games. Um, and I would BYU game is still a big game. It's an in-state game. It's a rivalry game. Uh, so. The uh, the sense was that these guys enjoyed the time off. A lot of them had chance to go home, wherever they were, uh, a chance to kind of uh, recharge their batteries, and then come back and ready to to go after it. Um, and the sense is, granted, I was only there for a, for a little while, and I didn't get to talk to everybody. Uh, but I got this sense like this team is anxious to play a football game. Yeah, and it's. Again, a 42-6 loss at LSU will do that to you as you get ready for – I mean, then you sit for a bye week and you have to watch film and kind of let that settle into your system. Um, but I, I'm with you. I just feel like there's a – I mean, even listening to the press conference yesterday from, you know, Metzenheimer and Eberly and, and Coach – they're ready to go. Like, they're let's get it going. Like, let's get back into conference play. Let's play meaningful games again, which they are. And uh, let's let's go take a whack at this and see if we can get ourselves a Mountain West Conference Championship. And for a lot of players, again, it's unfinished business from last year, right? I mean, you you were one game away from hosting the Mountain West Conference Championship at your house, hosting it. They fall short of Boise. I don't know how much fault I put on the players in that regard. To be honest with you, they feel like they have a coach who's all in now with this this with this team with this program. And when you have a coach that's all in with you that there's no other distractions left or right, that it's just, you know, a tunnel focus straight ahead, man, it makes you hungry. It makes you absolutely hungry, and I feel like that's where this team is now. Yeah, I agree. And they've got an opponent, which they haven't faced in a couple of years uh, in Nevada. It's a team that has, in recent memory, had their number, and so they're not taking them lightly. Uh, it's a team that has the potential to be uh, explosive, um, but they've also had some interesting changes that they've had to go through with swapping out quarterbacks, and they've been pretty inconsistent. Uh, Nevada has so um, I, I spoke with two defensive guys, and we'll hear them tomorrow. Um, but um, both of them feel like look they're they're excited and ready to go. All right, 
Speaking of excited and ready to go, Coach Craig Smith is excited and ready to go. He's got to be at least, as his team was unanimously picked to finish as the Mountain West Conference uh, champions or the number one team in the Mountain West Conference. Preseason number one. There you go. Unanimously. First time it's ever happened in its conference. Uh, we are going to chat here. Craig, Coach Craig Smith is going to join us here in just a minute. We're going to take a break, step aside, and get you ready for that. That's all coming up here. Eric France and Andre Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Big news today out of Las Vegas with the Utah State men's basketball team down at the Mountain West Media Days getting ready for the 2019-2020 season. Big things expected of the Aggies, and uh, that's what the media say, I guess, so I guess we'll roll with it. But Craig Smith, he's down there, head coach of the Aggies. Coach Smith, thanks for wedging out some time for us. I know it's pretty busy down there right now, but um, a lot of preseason, uh, I guess, expectations on this team. How are you guys handling it so far? Well, yeah, it's been a great day. I mean, obviously, we're we're down here at Las Vegas with all the other teams in the Mountain West Conference, and uh, here with Sam Merrill and Abel Porter and Diogo Brito, and uh, and so, you know, just uh, obviously the the polls came, the preseason polls came out, and you know, much like we said last year, polls are are polls, and they don't mean a whole lot. You got to go out there and prove it, and. Uh, it's exciting to have expectations. It beats the alternative, uh, most definitely. But polls are what the polls are what they are, and, and and we told our guys last year is you know polls don't mean a whole lot, but they do tell you the level of respect that you've earned, and the key word is earned. And so obviously, with the season that we had last year, our guys have earned this recognition, and and our program has earned this recognition. And obviously, at Utah State, we have a rich tradition of of excellent uh, basketball and it's important to our fans and it's important to um to our community and it means something and and we have an obligation to that and we understand what that means at the same time you know everyone's asking what you know how are you going to handle this how are you going and it's like we're going to handle it the same way and that's approaching it day by day getting better and better like we're not going to try any harder like we tried our best last year like we can't you know what i mean so let's control the controllables and that's being the best that we can be on a day-to-day basis. We had a great summer um, with our returners. We had a great summer with our new guys. But it's important to understand this is a totally different team than last year. And even though we returned a lot of our production, we returned six guys that played on last year's roster. Obviously, Namias Keda is still um, doing his rehab, and we don't know exactly a, a timetable when he's going to get back. But um, now we got to get the other nine guys uh, mold it in the sh- form and learn our lingo and our terminology and our style of playing and so on and so forth. And that's a work in progress at this point. Coach, you mentioned that Abel Porter has uh, joined you guys down there in Las Vegas. Uh, wanted to ask you about him and how far he has came along um, to a guy who wasn't seen a lot of time on the court, then became a starter, hit that game-winning three uh, at New Mexico, and then uh, obviously earned a scholarship. What have you seen out of Abel Porter in, in progression as you guys get ready for the 2019-20 season? Well, it's incredible how much Abel has improved over the last uh, 16 months or so. Uh, but you know, you could the fans could see how much he progressed from his um, 
redshirt freshman year to sophomore year. Last year was a sophomore. And then I could, uh, there's no doubt you could see how much he improved just within the season. Uh, but he's definitely gotten better um, from even the end of last season until now. He is playing with great pace. He's playing with great confidence. Um, he's shooting the ball at a very high level right now. Um, and then he's always been steady Eddie. And it was interesting. I did a, a speech um, a week ago today, in fact, last Tuesday, to about 100 people, a bunch of um, business people in Cache Valley and a few from Salt Lake City, and Abel and Justin Bean both spoke of that. And one thing he had always said he's prided himself on is being consistent. Like, you know what you're going to get out of Abel Porter every day, and, and there's no doubt that that's the truth. But he's become a better athlete, um, um, and, and he's just improved his overall game. And so that's exciting to see. Um, where he's at, what his mindset is at, and confidence is an amazing thing. And confidence is a hard thing to give players. You do your best to help facilitate that, but at the end of the day, players got to go earn confidence, and and he's certainly done that. You know, we're talking to Coach Craig Smith, Utah State men's basketball team, a unanimous number one coming into the preseason. This first time, this is what blows my mind. This is the first time a team in the Mountain West Conference has been unanimous at number one. Uh, there's been some great basketball teams through the Mountain West era that it's happened in the year of 2019 surprises me. Does that surprise you, Coach? I mean, you've been in, you've been familiar with this league before. Yeah, this, it, it did shock me, to be quite frank. Um, this league has such a rich tradition of excellence in men's basketball and certainly other sports as well, but in men's basketball. And I, I'm a history major, so I'm always where you were, where you are, and where you're going. And, and I just think back fondly, uh, well, fondly of how good some of those teams were, but nightmarish at how good these teams, those teams were because <laughs> we had to go against them. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it, it is a, it's a really uh, unique uh, honor, and it's a cool thing. At the same time, you know, we know what those things mean, and that's not a whole lot. So you got to go out there and perform. Like I said earlier, we are a new team, and, and we like to think our program is based on earning things, right, and going out and accomplishing those things. And so it's a, it's a, we, we don't take it lightly because of the rich history and so many great teams that have been in this league back when Kawhi Leonard and those New Mexico teams and, and Nevada just recently. And so and we can go on and on, the UNLV teams. But, um, so we don't take that lightly. And we know it's a responsibility that we have for our league. But at the same time, every year is so different. You know, our chemistry last year was, was literally just impeccable. And everybody understood their roles and what we have to do. And so, you know, can we replicate that, right? Do we have the group in the locker room that's going to buy into that? And sometimes when you get a year older, you know, sometimes guys start wavering and you start thinking about other things instead of the task at hand. And so we need to play with a chip on our shoulder, uh, we got to play with an attitude that craves improvement and uh, treat our fans to a great style of basketball. And if we approach every practice and every game in that respect, then I like the chances where we'll be at the end of the year. I know you can't replace Namish Keda while he is absent for however long that will be. Do you feel confident in the guys that will be taking the time on the or using those minutes on the court uh, while he's off the court? Well, you're right about Nimi, and you know I wish we I wish I could update you on a timetable. I just don't have that right now. Um, his rehab is going great. And one quick caveat with Nimi is, you know, when he got hurt this summer, I called him about 45 minutes after the game, 
and and we were talking. And he goes, Coach, Coach, you don't don't worry, don't worry at all. I'll I'll be back better than ever. And you know, he never hung his head. He never sulked. He never. His whole mindset is, I'll be back better than ever. And his rehab is going great. He told me yesterday in practice, he's up to 248 pounds. So he's gained 20 to 23 pounds, something like that, of good weight. So that's a blessing in disguise um, because he needed to. Um, and, and obviously, Mimi's what he did last year, defensive player of the year, the true freshman. I believe he broke the school record of block shots in one season, or he's really close to it anyway, if he didn't. Um, um, and then being a second team all league guy, and obviously voted a, uh, on the first team all league, you know, this year. So it's hard just to go replace that because he did have such an impact on us. Now at the same time, it will be more of a. Uh, and, and, and Quinn Taylor was our backup five man last year, so we're a bit unproven in that in that spot. In between, you know, Kuba Karwowski and and Clay Stahl and Roche and um, Trevin Darius. Um, you know, we got to be able to, to do some things and I'm not sure we're going to be able to do it by one person, but by committee, hopefully we can, um, you know, figure out a way to, to have success. Coach, uh, you're now a couple of weeks into these practices. Um, we, we've, we're talking about the center position. What about some of the other, pos- the, the, the battles that are going on with, uh, with your roster and trying to figure out matchups who works well together and obviously it's going to take some time before you really finalize your your rotations but how is that progressing so far and and what you're seeing out of your club well it's going well i mean i like this weekend i watched about eight of our practices back to back to back to back to back again and obviously i watch them every night after we practice but just kind of wanting to go and just get a streamlined view um of everything and you know it's clear the returners are uh, ahead of the new guys and which is expected. I mean, that's not abnormal. Um, I think our style of play, especially our, our style of play is really enjoyable to play in for our players. Um, they, they thrive in it. They love it. We have to recruit a certain type of player and we feel like we, our new guys are those types of guys. It just takes time to gel, um, with each other. And it's easy. People forget. We only had four guys last year at the start of the year that had average more than seven minutes a game at the start of the year and and because we do return so many guys that produced you know in in sam merrill and abel porter and diogo and brock miller and justin bean and namish even though namish isn't going we still have nine new players in our program and i count clay stall and roche as new because they both were out with acls last year so you're still looking to get acclimated two-thirds of your team into our style of play learning how to play with all the other new guys along with playing with our returners and getting our verbiage down and our philosophy down. So it's a lot that goes into it in a short amount of time. And I'm excited about every one of our new guys. Like literally I could, I could go through the whole list and speak highly in what they bring to the table, but yet we need to develop a level of consistency with those guys where we know we're going to get every single night. Um, out of them, you know, whether it's day-to-day practice or game-to-game. And so they got to prove themselves from that respect still. Coach, what do you see out of the Mount West Conference this year? That's a great question. Uh, I think it's going to be much, much deeper. Uh, I, I think there's going to be surprise teams, you know, much like, you know, we go from projecting nine to winning the league. I think you're going to see some of these teams that are projected – 
bottom half of the league that are going to surprise some people. And I'm not going to say specifics, but I think there's, I just think there's going to be way more depth. I think it's going to be much more competitive top to bottom. And some coaches say that every year, that's like the cliche answer. But I, I really, really believe that when you look at the league, I think there's going to be, I don't know if you would deem them upsets, but I just think you're going to see more parity, and I think you're going to see more teams seventh in the league beating number two in the league and so on and so forth. And I think winning on the road is always difficult. I think it's going to be much, much harder this year than last year because of the parity, um, especially, you know, uh, yeah, is, is just top to bottom. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. You've got to be on point with what you do consistency is going to be a big, big thing. And then we like to say you got to eliminate losing. And, and so you better show up and do what you do every given night or you're, you're, you're probably not going to come out on the win column. Coach, these media events that you're at right now, these are really opportunities for members of the media to find out about these various teams, the coaches and the players, to take back to wherever they are. But from your standpoint and your player standpoint, are you learning things while you're there about who your competition might be or what things might look like in your league this year? Uh, not really. You know, I mean, we don't, it's interesting. Last year we were in the morning session and, you know, we got in and I think we started at eight and we were done at noon. And there was like, I think there was like seven of us teams in the morning. And then the four, the top four teams went in the afternoon. Well, the projected top four teams. Uh, went in the afternoon and last year it was like uh, you know I almost had to uh, we're Sam and Quinn and I came last year and it was almost like I, I felt like I had to go talk I uh, hey, excuse me can I talk to you <laughs> like like because we weren't getting a whole lot of traffic if you know what I'm saying and that's okay that's normal you know and this year obviously it's different with um, the way the polls went and whatnot so but in terms of I haven't even you know we had a head coaches a brief head coaches meeting for a half an hour with our conference commissioner Craig Thompson um, to discuss a few things and so so a lot of the and we flew in this morning so a lot of the coaches besides that meeting haven't really even bumped into or seen even any of their players so it's been a little bit different from that respect that way but you know this time it's it's an exciting time of year right football is kind of in the middle of their season college and the NFL and so now we're getting closer the weather's turning Right, people are getting geared up for basketball, so there's an enthusiasm in the air, there's an excitement in the air, and right now everybody thinks they're going to win the league, and so there's optimism, right? And so um, it's a fun time. It's great to promote our conference, and it's great to promote our respective programs, and and certainly the student athletes that are part of it. Coach, last question for me. Uh, there's been it was started to be used a little bit last year. There's this new wearable technology that the Mountain West is really getting behind that the coaches can use. Uh, your your thoughts about that? Did you guys get to use a little bit of that last year, and how you plan to use it this year? Well, we used it um, in our game at Boise State, Shot Tracker it's called, and then um, we used it in the conference tournament championships. So all three games, the semi, the quarters, the semis, and the finals. And, you know, everybody's different. I think it's a great thing for the, for the league. It's going to bring great notoriety. I think the people, the, I feel like, you know, when I watch the game, I usually watch the television broadcast. And, and so when those are, you know, in the conference tournament, the, the analysts seem to be using it a lot. There are certain stat, stats that I like and I follow, but, but I'm not just 
you know, a crazy uh, analytics guy. So to each their own, right? For me, I'm not sure it matters a whole lot. I try to go by feel and gut, trust our assistants, our staffs. There's certain numbers we really look at. Um, but I think it's a cool thing. There's no doubt that um, whether you're a GM in the NFL, you're a GM in the NBA, or, you know, everyone's hiring their analytics people now. Obviously, Moneyball, you know, with baseball, the analytics stuff. So people are really, really into that, and, and obviously they make the numbers work for them. So it's a great thing for our league and for certain programs, and we'll utilize it to some extent, but that's something that I kind of let our <laughs> our staff utilize, and, and I just go yell at the players. <laughs> <laughs> Co- coaches, uh, as the Aggie fans are tuning into the show right now and are listening to you, uh, as you get ready for October 30th, what is your message to them uh, as we get ready for the season to start? Well, we're so excited for our season. We're so excited to represent Utah State in the right way. And, you know, we view this thing as we're all in this thing together. We're so proud to represent the Utah State fans and all the people in Cache Valley and certainly in the state. And um, uh, we're excited to get the spectrum. You know, we, we really got the spectrum magic going again last year, especially towards the end of the year. But you could see the crescendo from game one all the way to, to game 15 and culminating with our win against Nevada. And, it was the sixth uh, largest crowd in the history of Utah State basketball, so that was a, a great way to end at home. And let's let's ramp it up even more and, and make it better and better and come out and support our guys. You'll love them. It's a group of guys that, that you'll be entertained by watching how we play. Uh, it's a team that you're going to be really proud of, and, uh, and I think it'll be great entertainment. Um, so hopefully we can see you. Get out to the game, bring your kids, bring your friends and family, and uh, hopefully we're in store for another magical season. Coach Smith, thanks so much for your time. Greatly appreciate you. Good luck the rest of the way. All right. Thanks, fellas. Go Aggies. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and RJ Stiles are wrapping up another show. We get you ready for In the Know Wednesday. Chris Murray of the Nevada Voice Sports Network. Join us. Eric, I'll be gone for a Mountain Crest Bountiful as it's the UEA football weekend. Or week, I should say. So uh, I'll be gone, but Chris Murray will join you. And you'll be able to talk uh, some Nevada football. Get a kind of a good preview on, on what to expect there. Eric, I'll tease this without spoiling it. But make sure you tune in Friday at 4.30 to our show. You will love the guests that we have on at 4.30. A lot of fun. Oh, there I am. Oh, dude, I got to quit doing that. I'm so used to turning That'll on That'll be a special guest. That should be fun. Donald, I mean, also tomorrow, we'll hear from Christopher Unga and Cam Haney. Oh, Their good. thoughts about how practices have gone, how the bye week was for USU, and their thoughts about Nevada. Are you... How's Cam, Cam Haney as an interview? Is he pretty good? Yeah, he's good. He's very Met, thoughtful. Metzenheimer was quiet. Like, he was short, sweet, to the point. Oh, we had a good time. It was good. Is he going to be part of the... Oh, the weekly or like that in the know Aggie segment? Uh, yes, we'll both have uh, know those. your Aggie segment with both of those. Those will be fun. I absolutely love those. Eric, does the Nationals finish off the series tonight? Uh, well, at, by the way, Astros beat the Yankees. That's now gone final. Um, and I, man, I, I, I have to go with Washington and how they've played and their pitching staff and how well they've done. They've been phenomenal. They My player of the week of is Max Scherzer. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like the Nationals too. Uh, you never know with the Cardinals. They might just wake up at some point. But I just think in Washington is too tough. By the way, breaking news. Jay- Jaguars have shipped Jalen Ramsey 
for two first-round picks to the Los Angeles Rams. Eric? Rams need some help. They need a shot in the arm. Don't know that. I think they gave up too much to get Ramsey. Yeah, He's a decent quarterback, but is he worth that much? One's understandable. Two is just out of my mind. It's a 2020 and 21 first, and excuse me, and a fourth round pick in 21, by the way, too. Add that yeah. to the list. Good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on In the No Wednesday. Sunday on Compass Media Network's coverage of the NFL. The Oakland Raiders hit the road again as they take on the Green Bay Packers. Hi, this is Tim Gates. Join Brent Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy, and Chris Townsend for all the action. After a win in London against the Chicago Bears, the Raiders had their bye week. Now they're back at it as they head to Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at Lambeau Field. It's the Oakland Raiders and the Green Bay Packers. If it's the NFL, it's right now.